So uh, I'd like to keep this all fairly conversational if possible rather than me just talking at the few of you here. It would be good to jump in any time with any questions. Please don't wait for a pause. I won't be offended. Um, but so I'm basically just going to go through a chronological sort of slideshow of my career over the last sort of about 20 years, from starting from about 1994, I think, um, the piece that's on the screen now. Um, so I, it's been a while since I've done one of these talks, but it, what I normally start with this piece, which was a sort of the first um, large sort of ambitious outdoor scale project I did for a, an exhibition that used to be down at Gasworks Park in in uh, Middle Park called the uh, Gasworks Stop Exhibition. So I think this, I believe, was in um, 1994. Rob, you take questions? That yes. Yep. Have you got something? In every, in every instance, I'm always fascinated to know why that particular material and why that particular scale of objects. And I don't have a sense of this image as such as well. Yeah. Rob, well, tell me how... It's about um, 2.4, uh, yeah, about 2.4 metres high, I think, and in total about 8 metres long, I think. Made up of um, timber flitches. It was sort of offcuts from a milling process and sort of... The idea was to use that found material and put them together in a kind of rough, workmanlike way to create this sort of simple form. Um, I sort of started out in, uh, as an artist sort of uh, making more or less pictorial representations of landscape but out of 3D objects and so this was a kind of a progression from those slightly earlier works into a, into a sort of bigger and still with a sort of element of landscape in the horizon line sort of character of it, but then also introducing this sort of empty cornucopia concept to it. Um, yeah. But, um... So, can I, sorry, yeah, no, go on. No, more, the quest, more questions. Yeah. I'm interested in yeah. your work. These yep. particular features. Yeah. Scale and material. Yeah. And always sort of key to... Scale, material and technique, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the front opening is like a circle. All right, okay. And then it's like a, a curved funnel shape to take us back to the, like the tile. Also hewn together with dowels and, and uh, sort of chainsaw finish. Um, so, you know, it's big enough that I could stand inside and it would be way over my head and you can sort of walk down into a sort of narrowing tunnel like... Uh, uh, so this early stage, this is 92 again? Uh, 94, this one, yeah. You're drawing on organic form, drawing on natural form, um, yep. drawing on natural yes. but scaled in such a way that you can form and interact with it. Yeah, 
mostly up until this point I'd been working more on a, on a scale that was more related to things you could hold in your hands, or smaller things generally. Um, but at, just at this stage I found this material and thing, things to do with it and it was also, I was doing a postgrad at VCA and was sort of challenged to um, extend my, my range a little bit and um, yeah, found it exciting to be starting to work on that scale that related to, a, to the body in a, in a, in a more... So you know, the form is a point in which, like, not handheld, but... Yeah, more or less, yeah, yeah. Sort of just a, a point of realisation that it was possible to do larger, ambitious things and, and make it work. Um, so we'll skip through. This is... an example of the smaller scale. I think it's about 20 centimetres long, so it's sort of certainly something you can hold in your hands. And it was a combination of um, being interested in the landscape and agriculture and, and also the techniques and machinery of agriculture. So um, it's the horizon lines are from landscape and the, the sort of grooving sort of it was meant to represent the furrows of the plough paddock. So I'm from a rural background and that, that was sort of uh, large in my mind and my connection to the land was that sort of agriculture. But also um, in terms of the techniques that I've started using then and carry on using today, I sort of developed a fascination I think with practical things, tools and things that have been handmade and or homemade and was interested in the way of making those with basic tools to do certain tasks. Um, so it became a lot about the sort of the rough craft, rough craft of making things like that. Not in a, in a high um, craft way, but just a workmanlike way of making things for a purpose. Um, and that's still that element of Craft and the ways of making things is still sort of pretty fundamental uh, all these years later. Uh, so these were from a show, I think it was in 1995, um, called Agricultural Little Artist Run Space. Uh, yeah, really working with those ideas of um, agriculture and landscape and the techniques of this sort of rough carving with wood chisels. Uh, that one I think is about a metre and a half long or something, quite sort of fecund slow. Oops. Uh, this isn't from the same show, it was another fairly ambitious thing. I think it was about seven metres high at the wall or something, and sort of. Mm, maybe not that high, about six probably. And stuck out the, on the floor, this, the full length of this sort of room in, that, in this. Space, which was probably about eight metres, I think. Um, and that's all sort of hand carved with chisels and grooves were all sort of laboriously carved. And it was a lot about the concept of spending all that labour on something and trying to create these straight lines. And in this case, the illusion 
illusion and illusion was that it was something that had been made straight that had failed and bent by it having been run up against the wall. Similar works for, from the sort of next series, I think, which was um, a commercial gallery show done in '96, but um, becoming more interested in that using the solid material of wood and seeing how the um, effect of making things look bent or swollen and, and how the using the geometry of the carved grooves could sort of uh, tell, describe the form and, and say different things about the, the way the form was working. Are you consciously not finishing any of those works? Well, I was consciously not painting. They're, they're all sort of um, bare wood that's just bleached to take out some of the um, contrast of the grain. But yeah, it's definitely meant to be a sort of raw finish. Um, just to, as this kind of separation to make them as, as sort of objects in themselves rather than sort of gallery art objects, if you, if you get that sort of distinction. Um, and also, that um, sort of slightly weatherworn timber feel I, I, found, I find attractive anyway. So, uh, so these are all quite small handheld things. This size is about sort of 20 centimetres high. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when I travel overseas, a lot of when I go to the museums and uh, uh, and high culture uh, places as well, but uh, I, I do love the folk museum and, and the sort of artefacts of um, uh, often not fully understandable identifiable function, but just uh, that's interesting objects. Um, that one's about five metres high, so that, that was called um, Tragedy. This is a sort of similar concept of this sort of form that was made being made straight and then sort of pointing vertically and then curved back on itself and ended up pointing back to the floor. So it's a sort of U-shape, tall U-shape thing heading back to the floor. Uh, these were the next group of work. I think I had a trip to Europe in between that, that last group and this group, so I'd sort of been exposed to uh, some different art and design objects and um, started to introduce some different patterns and, and uh, kinds of forms, but still uh, layered over an interest in landscape and the, and the natural world. It was a suite of, um, sort of cone shapes. This whole exhibition was sort of variations on a, on a, on a cone form. Uh, How important is, is shadow and light? Uh, you optimise the throw of the light Yeah, in a gallery situation, I always find that pretty important. I mean, you can't always control it other places, but um, certainly with my work for photography and for exhibition, I try to have a bit of drama in the, in the lighting. Um, well, it enhances the reading of whatever kind of surface you... Yeah. Or the elaboration. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it helps to, to describe the surface and to 
and to describe the form and, and also it sort of helps because I'm concerned with the way things relate to the wall or if they're on the wall or the floor and the, the negative space is created so that the, the shadows can also help sort of um, highlight that. So these were sort of all called things relating to animal forms. The last one was a um, uh, snake and this one was uh, a sort of neck and ruffled neck. Which, so sort of fairly abstract representations of, and non-specific, but of sort of birds or scar- feathers or scales. Sort of about three metres high, I think. Bleached out that side. Uh, I think in about, this was about 1999 or 98, um, was commissioned to make a piece for uh, sculpture back on Herring Island. Um, it was commissioned as part of a, the, the Melbourne Festival of that year. Uh, that's about, I think, about six metres long or so by possibly seven, uh, about a metre high. So it's mainly carved out of one big log, um, just a bit added onto the tail. Um, yeah, that's more of the sort of natural, slightly ambiguous forms could be sort of plant form, animal form, and also keeping that horizontal sort of landscape reference as well. Uh, Robert, if you say it's carved from a log, what's yep. the, how do you get that shape? Do you, what sort of tools do you use? Talk about that process. Yeah, um, uh, chainsaws. I use a lot of chainsaws for sort of getting the bulk of the form right, and I, after some years of practice, I can get fairly refined forms and finishes uh, with a chainsaw. So then the, the surfaces are then all finished with um, hand chisels, mallet and chisels. And either sort of finishes usually just a sort of whitewash to, to even out the surface colour. Um, for the larger works, I mainly use um, Cypress, Monterey Cypress, because mainly because there's, it's fairly available. It's always easy to get fairly big logs, and um, it sort of stays fairly stable as it dries out. So you tend to get massive cracks. Opening up in it. So solid, solid piece? Yeah, that's yeah, a blunt, solid, solid log, yeah. Mostly, a few patches and things added in to fill out. Uh, that came from a, a guy down in the Morning Peninsula who does a lot of landscaping work and has to take out a lot of those trees from time to time, so they had a kind of stockpile of logs. And it's finished on the other side as well. Yeah, yeah, but well, uh, uh, this kind of represents the next body of work um, made in the uh, year 2000. Um, so introducing some colour to the finishes and also varying the ranges of the patterns I'm, I'm using over the, over the forms. Um, and also to a large extent abandoning the, the horizontal form that I've been using up to this point. So th- this is a suite of them. Uh, more vertical works, uh, sort of 
trying to represent different uh, aspects of, of sort of art and design history. So I think I've got a detail. So things like uh, this this curly form that I'd seen in um, uh, different sort of sculptures to either represent hair or water or, or wind or something like that. So ranging from sort of uh, German Gothic stuff to Assyrian and uh, I think I've been in London for a while and spent a lot of time in the, in the V&A and enjoyed sort of looking at all the different patterns and textures and, and a lot of the things. I kind of like an Assyrian beard, quite large, about a metre and a half long, hanging on the wall. Um, that's another. That, that's a sort of small scale one, um, about 15 centimetres high, maybe, and playing with the idea of using those forms over a sort of modernist, uh, minimal form. Uh, oh, it's bright green. Um, I think this was the first uh, Helen Greer sculpture prize out at Werribee. Uh, it was shortlisted for and, and made. This piece is about uh, over three metres long, with three good seasons. Um, yeah, same kind of techniques in using those different patterns and the labour of the hand carving over a variety of sort of forms. Uh, and these are moving into a um, a group of works I did for a show in Niagara Galleries. Uh, all quite large. The, the vertical ones are sort of around three metres high. This sort of cube is about a metre and a half by a metre or something like that. So, uh, and it's sort of entering into some more adventurous paint finishes on the surfaces. Um, and also, I was sort of, I haven't got the full set of them here, but I was looking at different ideas about uh, the forms as well. That this was a, a, a group of related objects that were sort of in it to a large extent about uh, migration and the ideas of sort of moving up picking up everything and moving and, and uh, what you leave behind and the mysteries of what you're going to and you know, it's another whole conversation but, uh... oh, patterns in, in different sculptures and seeing how they're produced and then I sort of reinterpret them and uh, through drawing and through sort of um, 
trying things out in carving. Um, but yeah, they're not, no, no, not computer, I'm not sort of so interested in computer design. It's more about um, a continuum of trying to reproduce that sort of pattern that I'd seen and applying it to my own. My own so it's all about the hand working with material? Very much about that, yeah. Because we're getting into the period where, um, you know, fabrication yeah. has become the order of the day for so many people yeah. who've worked out of hiding and yep. the time, so there's not too much yeah. hand work in that. No, but I mean, I guess what I'm interested in the hand working is that it's a much, to me, it's a more human, warmer kind of finish and by looking at the, the marks of the tools, you know, if one cared to take the time, you can kind of read quite a lot about the whole process of making from the different um, marks at different stages. Like from if, um, the like the technique will change. If I've started doing a piece like that, I will develop the technique of the carving as I go along. So. If, no one would ever see it, but there'd be a variation from when I started to the sort of slightly more clumsy nature of it and the, to a, a more sort of practiced hand in later stages, which to me just add, adds a richness to the, to the work that you don't always get with uh, highly fabricated things. Obviously, the, the intentions in most of those cases are different, but I'm very interested in the, in the hand making. Probably the only time, okay. Um, these are kind of the little group of um, very small things based around the size of a hand and that sort of palm. Uh, I, again, after another trip, I'd been in rural France for a few months and I'd spent a bit of time in sort of some of the some cathedrals and uh, small museums around southern France and, um, and then after that I'd, I'd spent a bit of time in Cambodia and I think I was kind of struck to a certain extent by some of the recurrences in the kind of forms and patterns that uh, I'd seen um, so in a, in a museum in Cambodia you'd, you'd see Buddhist sculptures where the sort of the palm of the hand would be the, the, the main thing and relating that to the, the sort of um, Christian images of uh, hands in prayer uh, so uh, so I was kind of thinking about the, the sort of power of focusing on, on, the, on the hand so, uh, I was interested in these little works but uh, Yeah, these are also that post um, time in France period, looking at details from stone carvings and um, uh, you know capitals from cloister columns and things like that. Uh, similar period, a series of small things like that.
problematic to use wood for the sort of maintenance purposes of um, vandalism. So uh, for these works, I made a, the piece in wood, hand carved in wood, and then from that, I had a casting cast on it. So you can still see the, the texture of the carving marks. And, uh, it was also a, a kind of good way to pre present value for money to the client as well because uh, I was able to make one wooden piece and then have it cast twice but I changed the orientation and kind of changed the... Um, yeah. gave it um, a second line. Yeah, generally. Uh, I, I, I don't have a problem with putting the wooden works outside, except that um, when people buy them, they expect them to last forever, and uh, it's not all that nice ten years down the track to get called and say, can you come and fix my sculpture? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the beginning of, uh, of the kind of next series of work where um, Evelyn mentioned before that someone talked about the reference to the rays of light. So um, this is where I started work on there. I can't remember what this one was called, but it's basically kind of a pair of binoculars that are made up of representation of rays of light carved in wood. So it was, it was the idea of them sort of uh, looking through them and they present a bright future, a sort of radiant future. Um, so yeah, they're quite small, about uh, 20 centimetres long, that pair. Uh, I think these also had, these ideas had come after spending a lot of time in um, cathedrals around southern France and um, kind of looking at the imagery that was used to provoke the feelings of awe that the um, you know, Counter-Reformation was sort of uh, interested in. Uh, this is a very small version um, called The Word Spoken Quietly. Uh, Manly Hollow, so it was about a, just trying to represent a notion of a, of a whispered word, inspirational word. Um, you know, by this sort of representation of the rays of light, it's, you know, it's about a little sort of tube, cigar sort of size tube. Uh, this work was called um, uh, The Ideas Man, so it was a sort of crown, sort of hat kind of thing that was scaled to be able to put on the head, representing a sort of uh, inspiration that sort of rays of light. Been used as a crown. Uh, more works from the same series. That one was um, called Looking for St. Teresa in direct reference to the Benini St. Teresa. Small um, one that sort of uh, sat in the corner of a room. It's hard to read that, but. Um, Quite high up in the wall in the corner. Uh, very small work based on those rays of light, about uh, 
20, 25 centimetres high. This, this is sort of the, pretty much the representation, a, a, a marquette of the uh, work that RMIT bought for Bundura. Um, I don't normally kind of work through a process of making maquettes for larger sculptures, but in that case, I just kind of work out. These are uh, about two and a half, three metres high versions of those rays of, rays of light. Um, no, they're just a sort of white wash finish with a glossy to wax surface. Uh, a little piece called Waking Child, which was sort of represented the uh, uh, sort of the rays of light coming from a eyes opening, just barely open. Uh, in this case, uh, got a pair cast in uh, sterling silver from a, from a wood carving. Uh, this is a study for Man in Black 1, which is a precursor of the piece in the RMIT collection. Uh, and that, that's Man in Black 1 as I showed it at Nagra Galleries. So uh, I can't remember the dimensions of the wall, but um, sort of five or six metres wide and about four metres high. Uh, carved in lots of um, pieces of elm. So this was part of the same show as the, the light pieces. This was kind of a counterpoint. The downstairs are all the pieces carved with the rays of light, and upstairs in this, this room is this dark um, cloud image on the end of the room. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a play on the uh, contrast between the two ideas of, of good and evil, I guess. Uh, these were commissioned following that piece for um, uh, Grand Hyatt Melbourne Hotel, the location of the off the Collins Street entrance is a series of these panels, uh, quite large. Uh, that ball, I think, is um, a metre and a half diameter, which, uh, when I was told, the, the people who were designing the said, oh, we want something about a metre and a half, maybe a spear. I said, yeah, I can do that. And I sort of quoted it. And then I went to thinking about how to make a ball a metre and a half wide. And <laughs> it's very hard work, as it turns out. <laughs> no, it's made up of a lot of uh, blocks, about 30 centimetres square. Uh, yeah, it's hollow, but it's still very, very heavy. <laughs> uh, Night in Black and uh, Midnight Special, as shown here. In, uh, uh, yeah, and that's the uh, Night in Black 2 that you've got in the collection. Right? <laughs> 
Um, these are another commission for Highlights, also Park Highlights, Sydney. Um, a pair of uh, works, uh, the sort of ray of light works. Uh, coloured in a, in a dark way, that's sort of the way that the, the RMAT collection piece is. As a kind of twist on the on the on the light being bright and, and, and having that sense of uh, virtue and inspiration, the sort of colouring them dark, I find gives them a slightly more sinister sort of um, feel. And I think this is my the last slide, but uh, for the I'm sorry, I apologise for quite an image of the outside the Port Cashier Park Park Sydney. So just see the background there, the two um, other pieces inside, and then through that room it is, um, looks on to um, Sydney Harbour. These are um, uh, just a couple of years ago. That's the end of the slide, so if anyone's got anything they'd like me to elaborate on. In terms of um, just um, how long it would take to make something, I don't know if you said you used a, a chainsaw, but then you're yep. talking about hand carving as well. So there's something like yeah, the Man in Black. That one. Talk about the process of, of making that. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, well, there's a lot of commission things. It's not always about how long things you take. It's more about how long you've got to, to do it. So it's a fairly I mean, I short dead time. I guess when I say dead how long things take, yeah, I'm forcing no. the ideal process from the actual doing yeah. process. Yeah. Uh, I think I... I can't remember exactly. I think it was about eight weeks or something. Um, so that, that's made up of um, a whole lot of slabs, sawn slabs about uh, 30 centimetres wide and uh, about 10 or 12 centimetres thick. So I kind of assembled it all with, um, uh, joined it all together with dowels and threaded rod and tied it all together to make this one big panel. Uh, which in itself is not an easy task. I think that, that took probably as long as, as the actual carving. So that, then once the panel was constructed, uh, probably a few weeks working pretty hard carving with the power tools, the chainsaw and sort of grind the disc and then uh, a few more weeks with the chisels, I'd say. It's a, a fairly fast at it now. Sorry? In this work, it's extremely warm. Yes. Tell us about the preparation of the The sort of texture? Yeah. yeah. The well, colour. The colour. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, well, it's all surface with the sort of the curved gouges, so you sort of have that sculpt effect. And then um, sort of stained in a kind of fairly painterly way so that there is gradation of, sort of dark black to sort of redder black to sort of uh, accentuate and warm up certain areas um, but really just using um, wood stains from the hardware shop mainly um, and then a sort of beeswax stained beeswax finish to so uh, black tinted beeswax to, to go into the, the deep areas and make those darker and give a sort of um, luster
Well, yeah, it's good to have them all going in the same direction, but because my interest is sort of less in the high, high woodcraft area of it and more in the sort of more uh, rustic folk sort of feel, I'm not, I don't get too caught up in the in uh, making sure it's all done the right way in terms of woodcraft. with any successful commission I think it en- the, the design process ends up being a, co- a collaboration where there's a conversation about what the people who use the building are, are going to expect and what ideas I bring to that expectation and so did you have discussions uh, yeah a little bit and also a little bit with you Suzanne I sort of we talked about what uh, from my memory, we talked a little about what we sort of felt would be. Yeah. Peter was pretty accepting of uh, of what I was putting forward, but and encouraging. But um, but yeah, I think that sort of the the piece is outside the the sort of chamber, the council chamber there, which has a sense of being a kind of pressure cooker room where ideas are thrashed out and. So to me, it was a kind of a, 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 a quite a powerful idea to have, have this sort of quite sort of somber, um, stormy uh, facade to that room. And, mm. But uh, also the language, uh, the transition between the wood finish yep. and the side, yep. that sort of lack of anything warm. Yes, that's and right. Outside, especially yes, this wonderful sense of entry. Yeah. It's, it's also a weird kind of a, a room of slightly weird proportions and the kind of uh, transition space that's kind of large for a transition space but small for it to be a proper room. So, um, yeah, I, I'm happy with the way it worked out in that space. Um, with all your um, work and the ones I've been around and I've been to meetings in that council mm. chamber a lot, it does transform the space and it, oh. that gives you a sense of entrance and I remember especially in the 2009 show you know you had the um, yeah. it called the uh, Midnight Special the children that would come in were constantly wanting you know like really energised by it they were looking up at it underneath they wanted to walk around and run around and, and all sorts of things and it, it wasn't even a sense of theatricality it was like your work had created a different Space. Is that what you sort of think about how people will walk around? Well, yeah, I hope to. I mean, it's. I think, with, from my philosophical standpoint, with sculpture, unless you're creating something that has some effect on on the body and changes the space in some way, you've sort of failed. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, you want people to get engaged bodily. Uh, the Midnight Special piece I had made for that that particular show and the, the concept was that strong contrast between the wall of, the wall of darkness and this sort of light kind of protective uh, shell. Um, but I've shown it again recently at, in a, at Lawn in the sculpture show down there in a, in a sort of waterfront setting. And it changed the reading quite a lot in, in, a, in a way that I found myself kind of encouraged and, and, and sort of surprised by. Um, it sort of really became this little house sort of sitting there looking out over the water and it took on a much more comfortable feel than, it, than it, I sort of thought it had in the, in the first place. We've come to the end of our time. Are there any Already. questions? No? Thank you very much, Robert. Please My pleasure. Thank you.